0: Welcome to the Tarot Readers Academy TV and podcast, the place to be to get the tools, tips, techniques, and building blocks to level up your tarot reading practice, heart-centered business, and spiritual journey. I'm Ethany Dawn. I am a full-time card slinger, business coach, author, and the headmistress of the tarotreadersacademy.com. And to top it all off, I'm also your host for this TV series and podcast. Hi everybody and welcome to a new episode of the Tarot Readers Academy TV and podcast. And today I am joined by the lovely... Miss Jenna Matlin, who is the Queen of Wands Tarot. She is an author. She rocks her local tarot scene doing parties and events and is also doing a lot online. So now we get to share in the goodness if we don't, uh, we're not in her area. Jenna is here to talk to us about a very interesting topic. So welcome, Jenna. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I love hanging out with you.
0: Yay, Gemini time. (laughs) Yay. So, Jenna, before we get on to our topic, um, I'd like to uh, share with those of us, so sorry, those in the audience who are listening and watching who have not heard of your book. So, can you tell us a little bit about um, your beautiful book, How Tarot Will Travel? Sure. Um, this came out in
1: 2014 and it was really uh, a gift. I will show it. This is my here. This is it in the physical form. You can also get it on Kindle. Uh, this was my gift to the tarot professional community. And it is a book of all of the things I had to learn the hard way. <laughs> you know, um, I knew at the time that Online readings and doing online work was one strategy, Um, but I decided to first start with the physical presence strategy. So I started doing a lot of festivals and fairs, started making really good money very quickly and became a very, very good reader very quickly as a result of uh, kind of going into the world and being kind of the front lines, I call it um, like guerrilla tarot readings. Uh, so I'm not always in the place of like where other tarot readers might be. I might be in an art festival. I might be at a car show. Uh, but it's fantastic when I do those people love it. Um, and I wanted to teach others how to do the same, especially if you're an, an, an uh, what is it? Uh, introvert um and how you can't let that scare you off because i'm also an introvert i just play an extrovert on tv so um so yeah i have that um and hopefully uh by february of next year i will have its sister piece up and done called have Tarot will party which is how to use corporate events weddings, bridal showers, uh, your Aunt Gina's 50th birthday party, how to get in on that situation and how to rock those parties as well. So those of you who are listening, stay tuned. I'm working on it.
0: <laughs> Books take an awful long time. I know that from experience. <laughs> So just quickly before we move into the topic, because I want to segue in and you'll see where I'm going with this. Um, Where is the strangest or the most interesting place that you have done an event or a a party? Oh,
1: yes. You know, one of the strangest, meaning like the most incongruous event I've ever done is I read tarot at a grocery store. (laughs) I really did. It was a, one of the few family-owned grocery stores left in the area, and they were having a special night, and they had me come out and read. I was literally across from the bananas giving readings in a grocery store. It was crazy, uh, but the readings went really well. Uh, I got paid very well, and um, you know they hooked me up with a lot of food at the end of it. So Um, I, I'm just never one of those readers that feels like I'm too good to be like, oh, well, there's not enough crystals here. So like, I totally can't, like, I'm not about that. I am totally like a kitchen witch, hedge witch. I am like on boots on the ground. And if I can be of service in those really strange ways, then I, I will be, you know?
0: That's awesome. They had, when Ikea opened here in Vancouver, they actually had a whole bunch of people. So like face painters and all scattered throughout the Ikea store. And they actually had a tarot reader in there, which was really cool. Um, And what do you do? Because our topic today is conversations with the devil card. So what do you do in those situations where you're reading in a party or at an event or at a bridal shower and it's For me, I usually try to keep them light and fun, not um, to be fluffy, but to keep it in it. I know I'm there for a reason, not to do a four-hour counselling session with somebody. But what do you do when difficult stuff comes up in those situations?
1: Well, when it's a, you know, my, my public venue work and my, I also have an office, my own office where I read people privately. Those are very, two very different kinds of styles. So for me at venues, I always ask for a question. And for me, part of that is number one, I know that you're ready to hear what the universe might want to tell you about this topic. But two, I can be like, is this really appropriate for a party setting?
0: Right.
1: So if someone's like, I have cancer. Am I going to live? Like, this is not cool at, you know, the bar mitzvah, is it? Like we, this isn't. So that's typically when I can kind of head them into more private readings. And so that alone uh, does a lot to make that feel safer for myself and for everyone involved. Um, But when the devil does show up, I think for me, the devil is one of the most interesting and complex of the major arcana and he is a stand-in for a lot of different things for me in a reading so uh while other people you know go well isn't you know isn't tarot doesn't god say tarot is wrong or bad you know and i'm like well you know if tarot was made by the devil why would the tarot why would the devil put himself in the bad guy role
0: yeah yeah like, <laughs> It doesn't make any sense. He'd be like so, the shining not in shining armor, um, uh, right? Like you would. Right.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. The devil's really Knight of Cups. We all know that, or maybe King of Wands. We all know that. Come on. <laughs> um, but yeah, so when the devil does show up, it really is an ind- indicator that there's some illusions going on. There's something that it has has either like a hold on the person. Or there is some kind of hold on the situation where they do not, uh, they cannot either navigate it correctly or objectively, or they lack the self-control to navigate it in the right way. Um, and so, for me, the devil is a key. Like, oh, okay, there's there's something going on here around truth and fiction, and self-control and obsession. Um, and so for me, the devil is a very, very helpful. I like it when he shows up because then I'm like, all right, now I'm getting to the meat of an issue. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. I see that as a real, what I love about the devil card is it grounds, it grounds the issue, right? We often, we have, and I say this in the way that I view this, the tarot structure, the major arcana are like the massive themes that run across every life. You know, we have love, we have um, mother figure or father figures, even if they're not there. You know, we have um, society, rules, institutions. We have willpower. We have choice. These are the main themes that run across everything. When the devil rocks up, it's like now we've grounded it. It's like now we know where the intersection of the divine lessons coming in to what's actually going on in our everyday life and especially when we look at the minor arcana that is around that or the major that's sitting in opposition to it because, like, that's where you're, that's where we're starting to see the struggle come in. Um, So... I absolutely love it. And you say something in your handout, which is amazing, by the way, make sure everyone you go and get this. It's the free resource that Jenna has put together for all of us. You say that you find him the most helpful card in the deck because it shows right where the pain is, how the illusions we have about ourselves keep us stuck and even toxic. So you like to talk about the devil as the inner saboteur. Can you flesh that out a little bit for us?
1: Sure. Well, you know, the, the devil in a traditional sense, he's the Lord of temptation. And so what I what I often tell clients is that, you know, even though in, in the traditional cards, he's often depicted as a beast, he's in fact not a beast. When the devil shows up, he is the hottest dude you've ever seen in the sharpest outfit you've ever seen, carrying plates of your worst PMS food that you are so (laughs) guilty about and he's got just mountains of it and he's going to feed you with it and and so for me the devil is actually the siren song right it's a thing that is um, that is we can't say no to Mm. so oftentimes too though so that's one aspect of the devil Uh, but the inner saboteur part is a part of us that's connected to our anxiety in some way so, for example, um, you know, say you're trying to get dressed to go to a party or something, and you've tried on 10 freaking outfits, 10 dresses, nothing feels right, you're bloated. And then here comes that little voice, which is like, You don't have to go to this party. You can stay home, you can put Netflix on, we can make some nachos and open up that huge, huge bottle of wine. That's, that's that saboteur. So in some senses, that saboteur wants to keep us safe. But what happens is that we inadvertently create rituals to the devil, rituals to that inner saboteur. So every time we stay home and do what that little voice tells us to do, we start making our lives smaller and smaller and smaller. We don't go out. We we don't go to the party. And that's really just, there's a sliding scale between that and someone who never leaves the house at all. Right? Like this is all part of a spectrum. And so the devil whispers in our ears things that may at first blush feel like it's a good idea or it's something that's saving us. But that is the role of the devil, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Is to give us something that feels good, but is actually working against our greatest good, our personal growth, our spiritual evolution. Uh, you know, to me, the road to hell is, is paved in gold and there's fountains everywhere. And the road to heaven, as it were, is the, is the rocky goat trail up, up the mountain. Um, and so what happens uh, when, the, when we allow that inner saboteur, the devil, to show up is that we inadvertently create a cycle of self-destruction. So oftentimes the devil is speaking from a place that has a deep set of underlying beliefs, such as I was never the pretty one in high school, or I was never smart. And so what happens is, is that when we start to do things that work against that innate, but false narrative, the devil shows up because he wants to reinforce the false narrative. Mm. And then that cognitive dissonance creates anxiety and when you know you know the devil is showing up when you feel anxiety uh and not anxiety that like you know you're in immediate physical danger and also when you are talking in all or nothing statements like i am always like this this never happens to me i'm always i always have bad luck like that's like inner saboteur work so what happens is that when we When it tells us stay home from the party, don't write that book, don't apply for that job, don't launch your business, that's all double work. And when we listen to that, we actually create rituals that just reinforce that whole thing.
0: So I have a, like that. Like I was, just, my mind is blown to the the whole creating the rituals to that inner saboteur and to that archetype of going this instant gratification of now I feel better. So what I would like to ask you is when, because a lot of us are intuitive, when is it the devil that's coming in, um, or that archetype is coming in, saying you know, self sabotage. Don't you know? Don't go. Um, don't do the thing. Don't leap. Don't change. Don't move. Um, and when is it our higher self or our intuitions giving us a hit that it's not actually for us? So how do we, and you touched on the anxiety piece, which I feel is very important, um, because it will feel different, but is there anything else that we can do when we have those little voices that go in our head saying, no, 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 don't, don't, don't caution Will Robinson. Um, how do we differentiate them? That's a really,
1: really good question.
0: Um, As a clairvoyant, and
1: I can speak from the perspective of a clairvoyant, is that when I get an intuitive hit or clairvoyant message, there's no emotion attached to it. Mm. and, and And it's usually quick, it's super quiet, and it's just information. So the difference is Say, I am getting dressed and getting ready to go to a party. All of a sudden, I get this information like, don't go, there's going to be danger. This is very different than, I've got nothing to wear. God, they're all going to judge me. I'm a big blobby blob, whatever. You know what I mean? Like the tone is completely different. The devil uses uncomfortable emotion to get you to stay within a cycle of self-sabotage. When we are talking about often heavenly messages or clairvoyant hits, it often is sparkling clear and it has no emotion to it. So you may be like, "Uh, grandpa's in the hospital and then like, oh, grandpa's at the hospital. Like you immediately will have an emotional response, but that first hit will tend to be utterly emotionless. This has been my experience anyways.
0: That's really interesting and I, I think another part that I want to sort of double down on is the language because when you get a hit of information, as you said, it is quick, there's no, it's like an, um, an interruption or it is just a knowing whereas I love the language that you were using when trying to talk yourself out of it or talk yourself into making that that decision that's going to make you feel comfortable and it's almost like we have, we're trying to negotiate right? And when we stick into that place of negotiation, well, I'm not going to go to the gym today, but I'm going to go tomorrow morning. I'm definitely going to go tomorrow morning. I swear, swear to everything that's holy, I'm going tomorrow morning. I just, it's cold outside and I need to do laundry and, you know, I just don't feel very good. That feels like a hostage negotiation. That doesn't feel like the <laughs> universe going, you shouldn't go to the gym because the power's going to go out and you're going to trip on the treadmill, you know? Yeah.
1: Right, right, right. Um, the analogy I use when I teach psychic my psychic courses is that clairvoyance, intuition, messages from the, the universe, the higher self aspect of us, it's kind of like you're standing on the edge of an ocean. And at the water, there's a little tiny fish like darting around. And your job is to somehow scoop that fish, that little fish out of the water before that huge tsunami wave of judgments, opinions, feelings, thoughts, whatever, whatever, comes crashing. And it's, it's, it's technically the easiest and also the hardest thing you can ever do as you're building your clairvoyance. Um, but I think what you said is so important because people may um, may think that you know the whisper from the devil is the whisper from something else. So yeah, totally important that we differentiate those two pots and go. One feels like this, and the other feels like like that. Sure.
0: And so what are some of your recommendations for actually confronting this um, energy, meeting it, working with it, understanding it, and even preempting a trigger?
1: Well, that's so much about what is in the handout. Um, And I talk about one technique that you can use. So a lot of times, when the devil appears or self-sabotage appears, we're more interested in using using a ritual to escalate our anxiety rather than getting curious about who the devil is, what the devil is saying and why. So oftentimes it's really easy to kind of say these things when you're not triggered. But if you do have a trigger and part of what's in that handout is stay with that. Who does the devil look like for you? Does it look like your, your evil stepmom, or does it look like some girl from when you were 12 and she was so judgy and horrible? Does it look like some version of you? Maybe she's a five-year-old terrified little girl. Like the devil can look very, very different for everybody because of course, again, we are working with the Lord of illusion changes all the time. So part of this is to figure out what is the devil actually saying? And that is, and, and doing it during that trigger time, because that, because he, he sleeps usually until something's triggered him to show up to sabotage. So when we're triggered, what we can do, and that is in the handout is that you, um, you sit with it. You may even want to meditate and see how he appears. You can write, what does he look like? Does he or she have a name or it? Does it have a name? Um, and what is he saying? So then I tell clients that you, in column A, you have a piece of paper, write it down. Column A is going to be everything the devil is telling you. And just write it down. Don't filter it. Don't don't like try to like resist it. Just write down what he's saying. And then you're going to walk away until you've calmed down. And then here's the the awesome part that as much as we have the devil working within us, we also have tons of allies and that's just about every other card in the, the deck. Except if you need a towel. <laughs> yeah, yeah the tower can be. Um, sure. So we have 77 allies. Mm-hmm. And so what I, what I have everyone do in the handout Is to ask, who is my ally in this specific situation, right? Because the devil that has to do with the devil that doesn't want you to go to the party may not be the same devil as the one who doesn't want you to write the book. You know, these are different devils and they will have different allies or different angels that can kind of force them back. So what you wanna do is pull your ally card, come back, and then in column B, all you're going to do is imagine that ally like in an argument with the devil and you're Mm going to write it down and refute everything that he has said. This is, it sounds really simple, but I have to tell you it's one of personally, one of the most, um, life-changing exercises I've ever done for myself and also what I recommend for others. So that's kind of um how we can we one of the many many techniques of dealing with the devil
0: and it's so important too to have a counter to take yourself out of the moment to disrupt the cycle as i say because then otherwise we go down that whirlpool of just like with are now circling the drain and we're about to like make the choice right so interrupting the cycle but then having a counter voice and actually pulling yourself out because what can happen with anxiety um with anyone who has anxiety, I mean, I get anxiety. That's a very normal human thing. Um, it depends on how much, and, and depending on what the triggers are, of course. Um, but when we do have those anxieties, to interrupt that, because what happens is it makes you feel as though that's the only voice, right? That's the only thing that matters right now. Nothing else matters. You could be standing in the middle of a crowded room where people are trying to like reach you, or and that voice of anxiety will say nothing else matters but what I'm whispering in your ear right now. So to have an ally and interrupt it and then counter to counterpoint it, to like get all litigation on its butt, you know, like that is such an important and beautiful way of disrupting that discourse.
1: Right. And and the choosing of the ally is going to give you, if you reverse engineer that, it'll give you even more information because we have to remember that anxiety is a symptom of something deeper happening. And we have to get to that deeper happening. What is the underlying schema? What is the underlying energy pattern that we've been operating on that as long as we stay within the confines of that thing, we're fine. But then the moment we kind of reach out of that, of our comfort zones, he shows up. Um, I feel like this is, this is the number one thing between success and failure is really getting a hold of that inner saboteur. We can never get rid of him. And sometimes the devil can, he has his his gifts that can be good in a sense, you know, like the devil is also the energy that gets you to dance on the table after your third tequila, you know, get on the back of that bike and go for a ride. Like the devil has a way of pulling us out of ourselves. uh, That is like, like that trickster energy, which I think is also valuable, but in the case of the, the devil as acting as saboteur, Um, The devil is only just repeating some kind of deeper beliefs that we have about ourselves and ourselves in the world. Mm -hmm. And so when he shows up, that's really a powerful clue in terms of like, oh, okay, we're prodding on a soft spot now. Let's keep digging and see what we find so we can unravel it and hopefully kind of move past it.
0: And I love what you said too about how the devil that you encounter with writing the book versus the devil that you encounter when you don't want to go to the gym are going to be two different um, energies, two different points of resistance, two different inner saboteurs, and therefore you're probably going to have different allies. So remember, one important thing, and the reason why I bring this up again, is not to give this energy energy all of its power, right? Like one of my favorite lines from one of my favorite movies, The Labyrinth, is when she says, you have no power over me. So we don't want to turn this archetype and this card and this energy into a scapegoat, or for you to transfer all of your shit in life and all this sort of, every time anxiety comes up, oh, it's got to be this, you know, inner saboteur. That's certainly not the case. And that's where doing exercises like Jenna has given us this amazing worksheet um, and with a bunch of great stuff in it to work with this card will help you differentiate it because we don't want to turn this into that scapegoat because that can happen and has happened if you even look at the devil um, in a religious context.
1: Oh, I absolutely agree with your point there. I think any kind of all or nothing thinking is – Um, intellectual laziness if we're like that's all good and that's all bad or this is all right and that's all wrong i feel like then we're not doing the due diligence of like everything has shades of gray and it is, and, and that's about wisdom is figuring Mm -hmm. out in what instance does this apply? and what instance does this not apply? But I think the devil can take many, many forms. And just this one that we're talking about dealing with like anxiety and resistance. Sometimes the devil is, can, it can feel like it's just resistance. It's just like, oh, I just don't feel like it. I don't know why, you know, um, another way you can tell it is, Uh, an inner saboteur is if you can't remember very well, like Mm -hmm. say you're in a relationship with someone who's not really good to you and you somehow like start kind of forgetting, like, what all did he do to me? Like, I can't even remember anymore, but I know it was that. Like that is another key indicator uh, that that inner saboteur is active is when you literally cannot remember. And also when you're having a hard time thinking straight, that happens for me in working out. Like, I'm not going to lie, you know, <laughs> me working out, you know, it's kind of been this thing, but I'm like, it's so overwhelming. I don't know how to pump iron. I don't know what to do. Oh. <laughs> you know? But then I'm like, I'll figure out how to start a business and write a book and live my life. Like, like, so obviously that is the inner saboteur working to confuse me, to confound me, to put the clouds in my, in my eyes so that I'm like, I don't know. So I'm just going to give up. You know, so that's another really good indicator that the devil is operating, the saboteur is operating. So it can, it doesn't always have to be like this high anxiety moment where you're like in the shower, rocking back and forth, you know, uh, it can be, but sometimes it can be very, very subtle. And those, those, inner saboteurs know us better than, than we know ourselves sometimes. And so it will work on a, on a subtle layer, um, until it actually has to get loud enough. Mm. So, um, so part of the trick is to listen for the saboteur showing up before we're at like Defcon four or five, (laughs) you want it at like two and go, Oh, okay. I see what's going on here. And because it's still quite quiet, then I can really use the advantage of ally work to uh, kind of dismantle it before it gets too bad.
0: So we've talked about a lot on the saboteur of this amazing card. I want to now flip the script a little bit because you did mention about how this is also the card of reckless abandon. And sometimes we need a little bit of that. Um, And talk about more of the positive aspects of this card. So one thing that a teacher of mine um, taught me is she's always said, the devil spelt backwards is lived (laughs) and can't, hide away from life and you need to live in the physical world and we can often get really stuck on that as as spiritual people too we get all this high like octane like high vibe energy and we forget that we're also operating in a world that has its own rules and structures and to create change, we must learn the rules, live in the world and have change from the inside. So I find that that's one really interesting aspect of the devil is confronting, integrating and being a part of the physical world in order to change it. So what are some of the ways that you see the devil, um, besides jumping on the back of that bike? if the guy riding looks like Chris Hemsworth, honey, I'm there. Um, (laughs) um, what are some of the other ways that you, uh, that you see the devil in a more positive aspect?
1: Uh, well for me, like, yeah, you're right. Devil, the devil is not afraid of like being in the body and living the body experience. Uh, like, so get as kinky as you want to get girl, like go for it. You want to try, go head up to that creepy club, oh, go for it with this password. Who knows? <laughs> out there. Um, the devil can also for me mean that sometimes we have to abandon things that aren't working for us and it's okay that other people see us as the bad guy.
0: Mm. That we
1: can't get hung up on always being the good guy all the time. The devil is the opposite of playing martyr. So sometimes you just like, save yourselves, me first, <laughs> and then you're out of there. The devil is part of that too. We cannot have good, we cannot have these like high concept morality kind of situations without this more like base primal aspect mm-hmm. of ourselves I mean, the devil gets you to try LSD for the first time. That blows your mind open, right? So the devil is also spiritual in that aspect. Um, I feel like the devil really shows up when all we've done is play by the rules to the point that we don't even know what we want anymore, people that have codependent tendencies and enabling tendencies, the devil showing up is probably one of the best things that could
0: have ever happened to them. Mm. Because that's a disruption, right? If you have a codependent um, sort of tendencies or you have enabling tendencies, now we're looking at the devil showing up as a disruption to your programming and to your own routines and that maybe you're sabotaging in a different way. And that's really, that's cool as well. Sometimes we need a little bit of that, like mirror held up to go like, what are you doing in order for us to, you know, to find a way through.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, and I think that, you know, in a lot of other non-Western traditions, um, you have that aspect of the trickster. So in Native, many Native American stories, there is that idea of the the coyote, and he is a trickster God. Um, and so we can also see the devil not necessarily as kind of this eternal fight between evil versus good. In many cultures, you have gods that are very ambiguous. It's not, it's not so compartmentalized. So you have gods that cause trouble, cause problems. Like what it does is it, like you said, it disrupts norms and it takes us out of norms so that we can actually look at them and question them. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, um, within reason, this trickster energy is extraordinarily helpful, uh, from a, from a political standpoint, the devil can upend, uh, power structures. Um, the devil can make fun of power structures. Um, and so he's actually really, really needed, um, and I don't think he should really be feared as much as as treated carefully and with, like, great great amounts of respect.
0: Yeah. And, like, I mean, one of my favourite um, tricks of gods is Loki, you know, from the, the Norse um, tradition. And that's such an amazing uh, entity to, or a god, a divine being, to attach to a card like that because what a perfect – Pair or like the coyote, coyote medicine. Of like, is this real? Is this really happening? Is this really there? And um, because it's like almost looking at um, an episode of what was that show with Ashton Kritcher where they pranked like famous people? Oh, uh, I, don't I don't remember the name of it. Names once we're yelling at it as they are listening to this. Um, and you know, episodes. I think there was one episode where he, I never really watched it, but Hugh Jackman. They made him um think as though he had caused a fire that burnt down this these people's and they lost everything and he was just like really apologetic and I'm really sorry and what can I do and like but then you see other people who've been pranked like this before and they completely act like jerks they're really selfish they're freaking out they're like calling their lawyers and it's like that's what it does like sometimes those roles where we we get thrown a curveball it's really going to show us who we are and it's in those tough times or when we're faced with our our siren song the thing that we really want but oh but you're going to have to tread over a few hundred people to get it are you still going to do it it's in those times where we see the temptation or we're forced with something that has really thrown us um where we get to see very interesting parts of ourselves <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I agree completely. That's funny.
1: I, I'm going to have to look for that on YouTube now. About yeah.
0: it's uh, I've seen, I only saw a couple of them when they went kind of viral. Um, cause I, I've never, I don't, not Not really my scene. I think it's like prank or something. I can't remember what it's called, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, another thing that can come up with the, with the devil for me is when we have been putting, um, especially when love comes into it, like love readings, we've been putting other people first and not our relationships. So because this is the temptation thing, maybe we've been working too much or putting other people um, at a higher scale of importance. And so sometimes the devil comes in uh, for me in readings where it's like, you need a naughty weekend away with your significant other because that's becoming really frayed. You know, the connection needs to be remade. So you need to make the choice book that hotel room, honey, get that champagne and strawberries. Like you need to make sure you're spending enough time on that relationship because even, I mean, you could have a relationship that's asexual that you, there's, there's no, there's nothing going on there, but that's an important piece to most romantic relationships.
1: Yeah. You know, that's such a good point. Um, and, and to build on that, um, I can often see the devil show up. So if someone is in a, in a real, uh, asexual relationship or relationship where they're not getting their sexual and emotional needs met, that, that devil, I mean, I always say it this way, you know, you know, in Les Miserables, even Jean Valjean stole bread. You get hungry enough, I don't care who you are. Uh, that that devil is going to show up in the image of uh, the nice coworker that you become friends with. There's that slippery slope. It can also be um, you know, the guy that you've run into in the gym. And so the devil acting as a disruptor is also saying, you know what, you can't be Mother Teresa in this relationship. You're not getting your needs met. You're not listening to that. So I'm just going to put someone in front of you to kind of awaken all of that in you. And then you get to decide what you're going to do with that. That either you're going to use that as leverage to to try to build your relationship back to where it should be. Or you're going to use that as leverage to get out of the relationship that's not working. Uh, but the devil in that aspect is saying you're a flesh and blood woman or man or person, like you can't live like this anymore. So I'm going to awaken these things and show you that you're not actually as much in control of yourself as you think you are. Um, I feel like that is a huge aspect of the readings that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, I, and in that aspect, I think while, while it's painful and difficult, sometimes the devil is showing up. Because there's an aspect that we are not fulfilling within ourselves.
0: And I love, I think you have hit the nail on the head with the way in which we can deal with difficult archetypes or difficult energies when they come up. Mm. They awaken something or show you something you choose how you leverage and use that in your life. No other energy. And that's very much why I feel that tarot, one of the many reasons why I feel that tarot is so useful because it shows you a mirror. It reflects down. It can show you intersections. It can say, this is what's really going on. Wakey, wakey, eggs and bakey before (laughs) a breaky, you know? Yeah. So
1: that's
0: so good. I I agree. And I I think you and
1: I, had successful careers before we went to tarot and and the thing is is we don't come to tarot because of lack of options we came to tarot because we were so enthralled by the power of tarot to unlock who we are as humans in the world um and we love it so much we do it full time i mean it blows me away how fast a reading can sometimes get to the heart of an issue um, in a way that nothing else possibly can. I love how tarot is built out of hundreds and if not even thousands of years of that kind of archetypical experience of what it means to be a human in the world. And it marries everything together. So you have like above, below, and what's in between. Like nothing is nothing is left left outside of it. It's just, oh, it's, I just love it. I love what we do so much.
0: Yeah, me too. It's like, ah, oh, oh my, everything that's surrounding me is pretty much tarot-centric, and nah, uh, that's like my <laughs> like, lifestyle. I'm happy. <laughs> me too. Like, this is all
1: tarot, yeah. all yeah. the time, um, and plants, whatever. Tarot and plants, but
0: you need, you need the green. So uh, what are some of your favourite depictations of the Tarot Index? I mean, I put you on the spot here, so I'm not expecting you to have them ready. But what are some of your favourite, um, your favourites? What do you mean by that? Can you give me an example? So I can give you an example. I'm going to see if I can try and find it. So, one of my, oh, look, he came right up. He, he was right on top of the deck. <laughs> Funny that uh, the first decade. So, this is the Druid Craft Harry for those of you who are listening on the podcast. Um, and he is depicted as Kernanos, which is the god of the wild in the um, or Gallic uh, Celtic tradition. And we have him in the shadows watching two lovers sleep um, in the in the green green grass, and he has one eye open, so it's also very Odinistic in a in a way. In a way. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me, and he's a horned god, um, so we also have that very that throwback to the devil being horned, um, and I love it because it's. Not only is it showing us something that may disrupt, you know, some people are like, "Oh, he's watching them. What? A, he's watching them sleep." Um, but what I love about this is, it's like it's talking about Kenanoss, so it's giving that that uh, nod to uh, how traditions and things change. I'm not going to get into um, pagan <laughs> history, but there is a lot there when it comes to Kenanoss and and uh, the way that religion was shaped in Europe, uh, in, especially in the UK um and uh, Scotland and such um but it's also welcoming like it's a beautiful scene there's no fire there's no brimstone there's no chains there's no nothing it's this green grove with lovers sleeping while being watched over by this god of the forest and it's just such a different take in a different throw but it shows you know physical bodies nudity because we all born naked honey um and um yeah, it's like unapologetically just like this is about being in a physical body. This is about enjoying those physical things. Um, and often in, because this is a Druid craft tarot, so often in uh, Wicca, traditions of Wicca and traditions of uh, of a Druid nature, mm. acts of physical pleasure, sex and things like that can be seen as um, rights to the gods, right? So he, he may have been invoked during that ritual as well. So. Wow great right. Yeah. The great ride, honey, the great ride. So I love that. Depiction was so funny that it came up right at the, or is it?
1: Or is it? You know what? I have a funniest story to tell you. I was hanging out with a, um, a tarot author. I'm not going to name names, but, uh, I was hanging out with this person and this person kept telling me, um, that they were going to meet like an old crush while they were in town, that they haven't seen him forever. And every time and I was using a deck, we were going for a walk. And every time the devil kept showing up and then we were literally by the river and, um, we were talking some more and the card, the top of the card actually flew off. Uh, the wind had picked up that one card. We had to run after it and guess what card it was. It was yeah. the devil. <laughs> she was like, Oh my God. I was like, I was like, so, (laughs) what's that? Have fun, darling. (laughs) Um, My favorite (laughs) Ah, you know, that that is really putting me on the spot. I'm trying to, oh, I have so many cards. Um, I recently got the back-in-print Moonchild Tarot. And the devil card on that one, I really like. It's just, it is just the red face with the horns, but behind him is the planet of Saturn. Mm. And Saturn is the planet of, of limits and, and karmic kind of tough karmic stuff. So I love that she added that into her collage work. Um, What other,
0: I don't know. I can't think of. That's top. okay. I was, I definitely put you on the spot there. There is a oh. lot of, literally thousands of decks out in, in the world um and they all have their own devil card but i will tell you what i
1: don't like mm. is when caught when tarot some tarot artists have an agenda of not making things too scary and then they they pull their punch they make the devil something else like i don't even know what like the tempter like they kind of fluffy bunny the devil Uh, And I don't like that. I think he is complex. He is dangerous sometimes. Um, And if we are sugarcoating all of these really important lessons, then I think that what we're doing is we're just trying to use tarot to feel good rather than using tarot to strike at truth. And for me, tarot is about striking at truth, which can often be uncomfortable.
0: Ah, very good point. There are a lot of modified decks out there. Um, I I agree. I like using the tarot in its more traditional template, in its more traditional form. Um, but I I oh, the only thing I'll say in defence of that, and that'll be the only thing I say in defence of that, is that some people find that as an entry point. Um, and then once it starts opening them up to this feeling um, of going, oh, okay, so... I'm not going to bring in any, it's not a portal to the underworld, um, unless you want it to be. Um, (laughs) Trust me, it takes a long time. Necromancy is not an easy craft. (laughs) Um, So if you're not going to create these portals in my front living room, now I can kind of maybe look at some more traditional stuff. I've I've seen that being uh, like looking at entry point stuff, but I agree with you. I think once you start really getting to what the tarot is, um, you sort of move past the need to soften it in any way, shape or form because it's not a scary entity. Um, and, if, and I wrote a, a blog post a while ago about what if something scares you in the tarot or something scares you in the tarot, you're being asked to address it. You're being mm-hmm. asked to just, it's a shadow work, baby. You're being asked to front up, to show up, to confront it, to integrate it, to change and challenge it. That's what you're there to do. So, uh, and get to know the real thing, the root cause behind it. So, yeah. So any final thoughts on conversations with the devil, confronting the devil and this card in the major arcana? Uh, I feel like uh, we've really talked it out
1: and I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty good. Um, I do want to say that, you know, if any, anyone who's watching, if you have any questions about the handout or if anything seems unclear, feel free to reach out to me. Like I would totally be down with, uh, with helping you through that. So, um, so yeah, no,
0: I think we're good. I think we've, we've hit on some really salient points. Awesome. So Jenna, tell us a little bit about how we can work with you, some of the offers that you have available to all the people listening and watching today.
1: Well, um, you can definitely find me um, on my website. Uh, I have two URLs. The first one is queenofwandstarot.net. And the second one is just my name, jennamatlin.com. Um, I have a newsletter that comes out a couple times a month, and it typically has things that are like interesting and hands-on, like the handout here. You can also find me on Medium. Uh, Medium's where I do a lot of my writing work, and I'm going to be writing more next year. Um, I also have online courses. I don't have at the time of this recording, I don't have anything in the pipeline scheduled just yet. But you can find this book and then Have Tarot will travel. And you can also keep your eyes open for Have Tarot Will Party. I also do tarot business consultations, and if you'd like a reading with me, I would love to have a reading with you. So you can reach out and book with me right online with my website.
0: Awesome! And I um, will make sure I put all of those links, and if there's any courses available, Jenna, they will also be over at the blog post. So make sure you go check it out and download this work, the worksheets. It is amazing. So thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for joining us today and sharing your wisdom around this amazing card. Thank you. It was so much
1: fun to talk devil with you. It was awesome. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone who's watching and viewing. Yes. Thank you. Bye-bye. Head to www.tarareadersacademy.com to check out the training and offer with our Faculty of Tarot Experts. That's www.tarotreadersacademy.com. You can also find out how to work with Ethany by heading to www.ethany.com. Thank you for joining us.